Season 2, episode 46. Welcome to the Anglo-Italian pod, ladies and gents. As always, I'm Tommaso Dami and I'm joined by my very good friend and co-host, Mr. Me, Rory. How are we doing this evening, people watching us or people listening tomorrow? Hope you're all doing well. Tommy, how are you? I'm doing great. I love that you introduced yourself as Mr. Me. That was pretty Mr. Me. Mr. Me, I'm another Mr. Me, and I'm doing uh, I'm doing well uh, for the current time being. Of course, uh, a lot of reading on international politics uh, and uh, war-related issues, but on the brighter side of things, I tested negative, so I'm officially Woo! out of my quarantine. Exactly, uh, <laughs> and uh, the weather in Milan has been simply gorgeous, and. Uh, Fans, listeners, don't be afraid. I have a beer here. This was my quarantine stash. I need to get rid of it. And I'm what better occasion than the, the episode of the Angry Science Pod live on YouTube and the Twitch every Monday night, ladies and gents. I'm just you? disappointed you didn't get through all the stash. I'm disappointed in you, Tommy. You should have been going yeah. harder. Yeah, I didn't think about it. I didn't think about it. Yeah, <laughs> I was, yeah, yeah, yeah. And how are you doing? I am all right. I had a pretty chill Monday, just one class today. So kind of came back, um, finished, and I'm now waiting for the grade on my scouting course. So that's pretty exciting. Um, right. Finished how, the work, how did got it, go? it all sent off. What was it um, all about? Tell our listeners about it. So I more. was um, watching the game. It was Barcelona PSG at the new Camp when PSG won 4-1. Uh, mm-hmm. So when Mbappe got the hat trick. The task, as I said before, was to choose one player to scout. I scouted Verratti. It was incredibly enlightening. I think just from watching him properly for 90 minutes, so all I did was watch him for the whole of the 70 minutes he was on the pitch. Not not the game, just him, what he was doing, his movement. I just realized more about how he does everything. <laughs> We've said it before yeah. about how he's a complete midfielder. But there was a point where at the edge of the box, he tackled Griezmann to get the ball easily. Another player could have given a penalty away, but he tackles, stands up, gets the ball, passes it forward, starts a move. And then five minutes later, he's at the end of their box doing an incredible dribble to get past and set up Mbappe, a beautiful outside of the foot assist. And you're like, just slowly, I notice more and more just everything he does in his game. He plays out on the left flank. He plays right across the midfield. I just... It was really, really honestly fascinating to watch it. And I was like, man, if this was ever my job, I think I would be very, very happy. It was just super geeky, super like I was sat in the house, complete silence with like my pen and paper, just watching it. Like go back, go back, go back, watch again, make notes. And mate, I loved it. I loved it. And tell me, what, what is the difference between watching? Is there a stark difference between watching the actual game and watching only one player uh, throughout the 90 minutes? I didn't, yeah, I had no clue about the context of the game, really. Obviously, I knew, like, the, the, Where the it was nil-nil, and I knew roughly who had more attacks and who was defending more, but it was much more just, you notice the shape, you notice formation, you notice transitions, what they're doing in in possession and out of possession, whereas, obviously, when you're just watching the game, you're like, oh, that team has the ball now. Oh, that guy has the ball now. And you don't really pay attention to how the teams are setting up and stuff. I think it was just more an analytical view of it so it's really good yeah i really really enjoyed it so hopefully i pass and then i can start looking for work 
Yeah. Fingers crossed for now. Good evening to AFC Finners, good friend of the pod and British football expert. He will be back soon on our pod. And oh, our I'm friend... going to text you. I'm going to text you. Yeah. <laughs> Very professional. <laughs> yeah. And uh, Monde Sportif, uh, welcome to you too. Uh, ladies and gentlemen, before we get started, remember to give us a follow on Twitter at Italian Anglo Pod, on Instagram at Anglo Italian Pod. And to also give a follow to our good friend at Sports Club Maps, who is also our uh, sponsor. Chris Hamilton is here too. He says, Ale, Ale, Ale. Chris, we're going to get there slowly but surely. Ah, these scousies, they can't get enough trophies, can they? <laughs> but before we start, we kind of wanted to address what has been going, what has been the football world's response to the recent invasion of Ukraine by Russia. Rory, where do you want to start from? Um, shall we start with FIFA's um, awful initial response to the whole thing? Go for it. I'm going um, to take along. I think it's something that we saw it in the Olympics, right, where it was like the... Um, association of russian athletes that competed at the last olympics right but everybody knows it's russia they don't have their own anthem they don't have the flag but everybody knows it's russia right so fifa first proposed well russia can play but it won't be in their kit it won't be with their anthem it won't be with their flag and it won't be in russia that makes no difference to anyone everybody still has short-term memory and knows that that is russia right it seems like such a lazy half-hearted response and the most depressing thing is that it's not surprising at all now when blatter got fired and when he was kicked out of fifa i wasn't naive enough to think okay all football's problems are solved it's going to be a, a bold new day but i did think that we, we would see an upturn a slight improvement maybe even just for appearances there would be a bit more of an effort to be more fair play a bit more ethical But no, what they've done is they've managed to find someone who I'm going to say is even worse than Sepp Blatter, who is even more eager to cozy up to every single despot on the planet. Like, if you Google any of the troublesome uh, politicians at the moment, you will find a photo with Infantino. Um, the fact he took that medal, was it the, the Medal of Friendship from Putin um, before the World Cup? Then when he was asked about if he was going to hand it back, he gave some waffle answer and then just muted all the journalists who wanted to talk about it. I think we found someone who's more of a sycophant, more willing to take money and bribes than Blatter. And I honestly didn't think that was possible. I do not have a positive word to say about Infantino. I agree with Chris Hamilton, who's just commented, new football governing body needed now. Yes, I I'm sure that football clubs and the countries have enough power to turn around and say, you know what, we're done with you. We're setting up a new one. I don't even know how you would begin to start to do this. But it's something that needs to be done because FIFA, they've had their chance, right? They had their chance to clean up their act and they haven't. And their latest response or their first response just summed that up. Now they've been guilted into it through hashtags and public pressure. They finally made the right decision, but you don't get the credit if you make the decision after public pressure. That's not your decision. That's everyone else's decision. What did you make of it, Tommy? 
So first, we have a comment from the Hopeless Wanderer. Missed the beginning of this, but the fact that Poland's FA had to challenge the potential match with Russia for the qualifiers shows how poor the governing body is. Agreed, mm-hmm. 100%. Now, look, um, I think, number one, talking broadly uh, in, in general about this war, I think it's uh, amazing how how much this invasion of Ukraine has reopened up wounds that we thought were kind of buried, you know, deep down in the history books. Well, it turns out they're not. And uh, a lot of countries, especially the ones that have lived uh, under Russian occupation for a long time in World War II, they were very vocal about it. They were just like, there is no way that I'm going to perform in this football match against this country whose values I don't, do not stand behind. I agree 100%. I mean, it's uh, down to the players' feelings. And if they feel so strongly about it, it's correct. However, I cannot fail to find some hypocrisy in there. Mm -hmm. Maybe because it's the first war since, I want to say off the top of my head, but I think I'm right, since the Yugoslavian war, I think this is the first war that we're living directly at our doorstep. I think that there is massive hypocrisy over the fact, uh, over the way Russia are being treated. And without making the names of any country, um, I just want to say this is not the first war that has happened. And uh, other countries have been forced to play against the countries that have done incredible harm to them in the past, Mm -hmm. even at the time that they were playing each other. And if we talk about the disgust of listening to Russia's national anthem, players... Maybe it's the time, if you feel that disgusted, maybe it's the time that we actually boycott Qatar 2022. Mm-hmm. Because you cannot hear the, the the anthem of a country that is invading a sovereign state, but at the same time, you can stand behind a nation that has used slavery in, 20, mm-hmm. in the 21st century to build stadiums. After trading slaves, they even buried them without any ceremonials and this People are forgotten and hidden. So I just think it's what is going on is horrible. In Milan right now, there is the fashion week going on. And the fashion week, the fashion brands have addressed the issue zero. And if you think that there are models and a lot of buyers from Russia and Ukraine in these days, that I find is ridiculous. What I've liked about football is Mm -hmm. to see that at least... The, this thing has been discussed. People have talked about it. People have expressed their points of view. Some actions have been taken, some of which I agree with Rory. I'm not that impressed about. I just wanted to say, let's not be hypocrites and let's mm-hmm. look at the big pictures. Let's maybe try and boycott this World Cup in Qatar 2022 as well. No, I, th- I think you're absolutely right. And I think we are getting to a point or it feels like there is a movement coming. Like England have now said they're going to refuse to play Russia. Wales have said they're going to, they're re- refusing to play Russia. I think there does seem to be a bit more of a like, mainly just due to public pressure, a bit more of a like, let's at least be seen to be against this, even if you're not against it, or let's be seen to be doing something that's better than doing nothing, right? Um, I think there could be a movement towards Qatar and teams actually boycotting it. I think that's not beyond the realms of possibility. Mm-hmm. I think let's hope so. I think a lot of like, something you've learned recently or something I've noticed more recently is that a lot of footballers are like a lot more conscientious then, like, the, the stereotype of footballers in the 90s, 2000s was, you know, a bit thick, like, driving the Ferrari and that kind of – that stereotype. Now it seems like a lot more footballers are trying to help communities. They are helping people where they're from. They are doing things for charity. 
like you, you, there are so many names in the Premier League, and I'm sure in Serie A of players who do this, like Salah, Sane, Ozil, Rashford, like all these players that do so much. And I feel like maybe players are trying to be a bit more like socially conscious, so maybe we could see something. I hope we do. Because otherwise we'll find ourselves covering the World Cup in 2022 and feeling pretty guilty about it the whole way through it. Like, yeah, yeah. it's look, it's just horrible. And there is, uh, of course, like the majority that I've, the majority that I've been reading recently was not related to football whatsoever. But then there is a sort of uh, these two they intersect at some point, mm-hmm. and there has been a lot of talks of the measures taken by clubs, by FAs, by individual players. And it's important to talk about it. Uh, All I could think about was a bit of hypocrisy all around. Chris is writing, there was a little hypocrisy with Chelsea standing with Ukraine yesterday. How do you guys feel about it? Rory, what do you think? It's so, like, their statement, their statement um, condemning Russia was... In incre- <laughs> I don't know if you get, if if it can do, be defined as condemning Russia if they don't mention the word condemn or the word Russia and describe <laughs> a war and an invasion as a situation. It could um, be the Lord of the Rings, yeah. yeah. <laughs> as you know, right? Yeah. What are you guys talking it's about? A statement on the thought of a troubling thing. Like it was so vague, so non-committal, but exactly what you expected, right? And now Abramovich has obviously done this. I'm handing the club over in the stewardship of the charity trustees there. It has been reported that some of the trustees are not even willing to take it on. So the members are Bruce Buck, who's an American lawyer and who has been the club chairman. Bruce Buck is a great name, by the way. Um, You've got Emma Hayes, who's the women's team's manager, absolutely legendary coach. Again, does loads for charity, loads for the women's game, really conscientious nice person you got john devine who's a sports lawyer piara power who's the former head of kick it out which is an organization to get racism out of the sport and they're uh, they're the director of anti-discrimination and social inclusion network and sir hugh robertson who is a politician and the vice chair of the british olympic association he oversaw the organization of the 2021 olympics 2012 olympics even these people don't feel like people who are going to be pro-russia Mm-hmm. And it's been reported that some of these aren't too comfortable with them being just given this front so that Abramovich can keep hold of his of his belongings, right? Because that's what it is. It's a token. He still owns the club. He still has say. It's just that if Boris Johnson grows some balls and actually does something and takes his belongings away, he can't take Chelsea away, right? So it's just a token show. And yeah, the hypocrisy on show as Chelsea lined up there it was, but it's it's ludicrous, and everybody can see how ludicrous it is. Everybody can see it, and the players know it. Like everyone can see it for the false show that it is. Like, and even the Chelsea fans this weekend, I've seen a lot on Twitter. Not all of them, but a lot of them being like more concerned about Abramovich going away than actually what's going on in Ukraine and calling Abramovich daddy and where's daddy going to go with all this money and just really uncomfortable conversations. I think it's taken a long time since Abramovich came into this game, but we knew at some point his history was going to come up and it was going to cause a problem. It was going to catch up with him at some point. It was going to at some point. It's just taken this long. Now, apparently, he's involved in the peace talks. (laughs) Like, it's insane. That just tells you the power that these Russian oligarchs have. Right, and people were saying, people were trying to say, like, oh, he has no relationship with Putin. He has no relationship with Putin. 
it looks like they've got a pretty close relationship. Things I was reading said that he was key to Putin being put in power. Like, this isn't a politics podcast. We might be talking about football, but it is all pretty murky. His history was bound to catch up with him, and it's catching up with him. Um, The problem for Chelsea is if he does go, they owe him £1.6 billion, apparently. So I don't know who's going to be paying that. Just uh, to wrap up the um, the war talk, unfortunately, um, unfortunately, the fact that we're talking about war, not that we're wrapping it up. Um, there is a very good article on The Guardian by Vladimir Sorokin. It was translated from Russian into English. Uh, it's under the opinion section and it's called Vladimir Putin sits atop a crumbling pyramid of power. Very good article, very long read. Um, for the non-English speakers, quite a few words I had to look up in there too, but very good article. We just wanted, guys, you know, we're not going to solve the conflict. We just wanted to spend our two cents on uh, what's going on. And the hypocrisy, if we want to say one last thing, is kind of all over the place. The sanctions mm-hmm. against Russia could have been much, much stronger if countries like Italy hadn't begged to overlook the luxury goods trade because I did see that I did see that yeah, yeah. this is a, a, our prime minister Mario Draghi who is doing like a bunch of shit that people are kind of not not observing at the moment but I think at some point somebody will be like yeah Mario Mario he did this and that yeah. and that uh it was particularly very happy to extend the state of emergency in Italy he was like oh thank god there is a war so we can <laughs> still be in a state of emergency last thing about the war from Monde Sportif who is uh, interacting with us live on YouTube depends on the sanctions placed and it will most probably end up around the table of representatives for each football Mm -hmm. association which sucks as football should always be represented on the pitch and i think there is no better way than this last message to slowly fade into actual football we were talking about chelsea there is only one place where to start and it's wembley i can already I can already picture Chris in front of his screen, starting to loosen up his shoulders. He's ready to be serenaded in this red loving talk. Rory, Carabao Cup final. Liverpool win it for the 11th time. Is that it? I think so. Yeah, yeah. But they've not won it for a long time either. They've not won it for a long I think Kenny Dalgleish might have been in the team the last time they won it. I need to double check that, although that sounds wrong. But anyway, they, <laughs> what game? What great game. Oh no, Kenny Dalglish was manager last time they won it. Anyway, um, yeah, a great Jesse game. Marsh confirmed the coach of Leeds breaking now. Oh, we sorry. are going to get onto that as well. We are going to get onto that, but for now, let's sorry, stick Liverpool with the have won nine total. Sorry, nine total. But I'm now going to start a petition for Man City to never ever be in the League Cup final again. This was a great game. It's the first Carabao Cup final that I've actually enjoyed, including the one that Arsenal were in, which I definitely didn't enjoy. Um, Just a great game. Two teams that absolutely went for it. Loads of space on the counter. It started with Chelsea in the ascent, like Chelsea on the attack, then Liverpool, Chelsea, Liverpool came in waves. Everybody forgot the offside rule. Um, So Van Dijk had his first goal rule for offside, which I think... At the time, I thought was like a ridiculous decision, but I suppose technically it was the right decision. His foot was offside. He did interact with play. Even if he didn't touch the ball, he did kind of like, he was active. So I suppose it was the right decision. Um, but Van Dyke's he 
again, had an unbelievable game. He won all of his um, aerial duels more than any other player on the pitch, winning eight. He was absolutely incredible at the back. Konate is really starting to look comfortable next to him as well. That is a hell of a, like, even Matip as well played incredibly well. I think there's, like, a real new partnership starting there. Um, it was a shame for Thiago, who was injured at the beginning, um, and there was kind of injured in the warm-up. He couldn't play. But the game was great. Mason Mount missed two absolute sitters that definitely should have been goals. Um, Lukaku was flagged offside. Havertz was flagged offside. I just yeah, feel like it was... About, a... What about that Lukaku offside? That was a tough call, <laughs> don't you think? I think a lot of them were very, very close, but I think they were right. I think they were all very close, but they were right. But I feel also feel like <laughs> nothing can go right for Lukaku at the minute. Like everything he does, hey, he scored the penalty. Not. He scored the penalty. He did, did score a penalty. That's true. I did think this will be classic if he misses it. Like if he misses it, the Chelsea fans will never let him forget it. Um, uh, he would yeah, be here in like... Milan with us right now if he had missed that penalty. <laughs> Just like, hey, guys, can I crash at your place until Inter <laughs> sign me again, please? So I feel like nothing can really go. Um, Nothing can really go right for him at the moment. Um, we just had a comment. Thought Virgil van Dijk uh, was exposed by Trent Alexander's inability to defend at times. Mount was shocking. Yeah, Trent kept getting caught out of position and Havertz was just having a field day. Like, we know that Trent really... He gets more stick than he deserves for his defensive ability. I think he's better than people give him credit for, but it is our weakness in his game. Um, and I think it did... It, it handed Chelsea a lot of opportunities. Havertz had a one-on-one at the beginning that he really should have scored, yeah, uh, should have scored quite early on in the game. I thought he was offside at first, and I was like, "Oh shit, no, that's a really bad miss." He was miles onside. Um, Mount had a, a game to forget. I think also Kante didn't have a great game. One of the few games I've watched Kante, and I've gone, "Oh, it's not your day, yeah, mate." Mount really... missed the all the missable he could possibly miss. He missed it. Uh last night few takeaways for me uh where number one i think two of the best teams in england um because i was thinking man city is also up there but man city in a final uh, we've seen it in the champions league we've seen it in other finals i think this was the best display of two powerhouses going against each other and it was game for the for the ages it was very good i was super impressed with both goalkeepers Edward yeah. Mendy is no surprise that he has come, that he has reached an incredible level of skill at goalkeeping. And I was very impressed with the Liverpool keeper. Um, his name is Callahan? Callahan. 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 Holy shit. What a good, good keeper. Uh, and I loved especially, I mean, I've always thought about it. It mustn't be easy to be the starting goalkeeper and have. To, training day with the second string one there are a lot of jealousies maybe that come about stuff but it felt like the relationship he's got with Allison is like a brotherly love mm-hmm. like a true brotherhood beautiful to see absolutely beautiful to see and um, the one other thing that I was thinking about but it's not coming to my head so I let you go uh, no, I was really impressed with Kelleher. Really impressed. Another good young Irish player coming through. Um, I love the fact that he obviously scored the crucial penalty. Um, really a moment that he definitely wouldn't have expected and possibly like a career highlight. Like I scored a winning penalty in the final and I'm a goalkeeper, right? Um, but should we go through the penalties? Which were your favorite penalties? Well, I have to say, I'm sorry, guys, my internet, it feels like it's not working perfectly. Is it yours or is it mine? I'm trying to figure out. I think it's mine. No, no, it's good. I thought it was mine. Um, Look, number one, I have to say, what did you think of the substitution when you saw Kepa coming on? 
Now, they did this in the World Club Cup final and it worked. They brought him on and they won that on penalties because of Kepa. So I'm not going to say it's a terrible idea. I just think sometimes it works, sometimes it doesn't. I think the overreaction has been a bit mad of like Jamie Redknapp losing his mind. Like, it's ridiculous. Like, Well, they did it less than a month ago and it worked. It just, sometimes it doesn't work. Look, takeaways from the penalties. Um, number one, the the Liverpool Liverpool looked the ruthless. It felt like they were just like, oh yeah, this guy is coming on just to save our penalties. All right, <laughs> let's make his life hell. I think the big statement is Fabinho. Just like, oh, this is the second penalty you're supposed to save. All right, take this. Boom, Panenka, off you go. Love and then Panenka. Van Dijk was absolutely ruthless. It's like, you're going to stand there like an idiot? All right, I'm going to smash it right in, on your face. There you go. Couldn't save it. Stare down. Like, that's a basketball type of stare down. Like, yeah, just mm-hmm. knocked on your face, motherfucker. That was sick. Um, Off the top of my head, I cannot think of... Well, Kelleher had a beautiful, beautiful penalty. That just, was a great penalty. That was a great just penalty. Punt it, just punt yep. it inside the goal, which is what yeah, the, yeah, the, the memo... The, yeah, just, just <laughs> the memo that Kepa didn't get. And uh, right now I'm thinking off the top of my head of the other penalties. Uh, um, I cannot think of any... Kepa had a touch on Konate's penalty, correct? I think he got a hand to it. I think he got a hand to it. He got close to it. Um, it was definitely a little bit lucky. But my favorite is Van Dyke's. My favorite is Van Dyke's because it's just an absolute kick in the face to to Kepa, as you said. Like kind of like I'm going to try and play my games. Okay, catch this, you prick. <laughs> just fire uh, it to oh, him. Our friend AFC Finners said Mandy helped the Senegal with Afcon on penalties. True, we were covering that live, so I think he should have been trusted. Very, very true. Look, for me, it's just I don't know. Then if it had worked, it would have been genius. If it doesn't work, you're an idiot. But I want to question you, Rory, and all the other listeners. <laughs> it's it was just some banter that I read online. Unpopular opinion. Let's start like this. The the managers. Should they take the twelfth penalty? What do you guys think? I love it. I absolutely love it. I as Art with Arteta as a manager, yeah, I would feel pretty <laughs> confident that Arteta can take a penalty. I'm pretty sure he took penalties for Arsenal when he played for us. I'm all for it. I feel bad for Watford. I don't think Roy Hodgson <laughs> has still got it in him. Um, I'm not sure if he's if he's still up to it. Um, yeah, I think that would be all right. I think most teams. I think Watford might be in the worst situation. I'm trying to think through all the managers in my head quickly now. Yeah, I think Watford might lose that one. Italy would have Mancini. Yeah. Uh, Inter Milan in Zaghi. Who was a oh, England player. have got Southgate and he missed at 96. <laughs> so I don't want that. <laughs> so no, 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 for the sake of England's future. No, no, no. <laughs> I'm loving the interaction on the chat tonight. You guys are very lively and it makes it a lot of fun. Um, I just wanted to read you this stat, Rory. What do you think about it? Because today, our friend AFC suggested, are Chelsea the new bottle jobs? And I just wanted to read this stat. Chelsea have lost four consecutive cup finals with English referees and won four out of the last five finals without English referees. Mm -hmm. And yesterday, in my opinion, there was a bad tackle by Keita on Chaloba. He needed six stitches after that. That was bad. That was bad. That is the definition. And guys, you can get your bingo card out. You know what I'm going to say now? If that was Granite Xhaka, it would have been a red card. There you go. You can take it off. It it was an awful tackle. I can't actually believe. I think the only thing I thought is that maybe they thought it was unintentional. But even then, that's not really an excuse. He nearly 
catches him in a very sensitive area. Um, and it looked awful. It looked genuinely awful. Um, but... I'm loving, sorry, I'm loving AFC Finner's take on the managers taking the penalty. <laughs> At Man City, Guardiola would overthink the penalty, backheel it, and miss. <laughs> All right, so he's not going to go right. He's not going to go left. He's going to stand there. <laughs> I'm going to try and backheel it, miss. Damn you it. You expecting this. <laughs> but look, overall, I just have to say it was a spectacle, that game last night. It was beautiful football to watch. The atmosphere at Wembley was fucking insane. And it was just like a celebration of football. Um, and I loved it. I loved watching it. And in the end, as an impartial fan, when I saw the cockiness of the Liverpool players at midfield during the penalty shootout, like Salah talking shit to Jorginho, don't jump, and Van Dijk staring uh, Kepa down, I was just like, God, I would love it if they were my team, but... Since I'm impartial, I'm just like, this is a little, you guys are kind of scary. And we're going to get yeah, kicked well, out actually, of the Champions League by of, you guys. I've seen a lot of the Liverpool players on social media being like one out of four or like one down. Like they are definitely, they're definitely chasing all four of them, as you would expect. But then they're making a bit of a thing about it. I'm like, okay. And to be honest, the form that they're in, you wouldn't really be surprised if they did do it. It's weird because usually this time of year we're talking about a Man City quadruple, but at the moment we're talking about a Liverpool quadruple, so that's quite a nice change. Um, but they do look, they do look pretty, pretty scary at this point. And just because he's quickly turning into one of my favourite players in the league, I have to give a shout out for Luis Diaz. Oh my god, that guy is so much fun to watch. Yeah, yeah I saw no, him do so many unnecessary no look passes, which I've got a lot of time for. Just like no look two yard passes, I'm all about that. But honestly, we talked about him last week, how quickly he's he's um, fitted into that team. His constant threat on the wing, his ability to cut in. I think his finishing needs to get a bit better or his shooting needs just a bit more composure. But oh my God, what an exciting player to watch. Big fan of him. And the final point about the penalties was from Mondo Sportif, who is the greatest of all time at penalties. I'm going with Zidane, who chips a penalty in a World Cup final. And then loses his mind, gets a red card, and doesn't win the World Cup. Yeah, why not? Molde Sportif. Sorry, I just felt touched in a, in a personal area. No, I could feel I could feel it. I could ah, feel it, Tom. <laughs> um, uh, congratulations to Liverpool. Congratulations to Chris Hamilton. Um, let's say that this win would make it even more interesting if Inter were able to overturn the score at Anfield. Come two weeks. We shall see. We shall see. <laughs> we shall see. We'll be talking Rory. about it later. We'll see yeah. how likely that is. So, Rory, where are we going after a little bit of international politics, Carabao Cup final? Where do you want to go, bud? I think it's time to go to the Premier League and Let's to say it. goodbye. And it's an emotional goodbye. Not often does a manager leaving another club actually upset me. But Bielsa's gone. And I'm really upset about it. Um I really do think the Premier League will be a much worse place without him. I think I find it fascinating the kind of tribal lines that are split with with Bielsa. People that see it and people that just don't see it. And I'm not saying which one's right. I'm just saying which one I'm on. I totally see it. I really hope there is a place, without sounding too much like a romantic, there's a place in the game for someone like him. Someone who does just go for the pursuit of playing beautiful football. It's not just about the checks and the balances and about keeping clean sheets and fine margins. It's about, can we play entertaining, dynamic, attacking football? I absolutely love him. I think it's such a shame what's happened there. 
I also think it's really weird timing when they've sacked him. So they've obviously it's been an awful run, right? You can't get around that. They've conceded 20 goals in February. That's more goals than any team has ever conceded in the Premier League in a month. Um, they lost 17-2 on aggregate across those games, I think. But he's just played United, Liverpool and Spurs, right? That's a hard run. They've now got Leicester, Villa and Norwich, arguably three games they could win, and they sack him now. It just seems like really odd timing for me, and especially for them to sack him for someone who isn't Premier League experienced. Now, I'm not going to turn into Richard Keyes and say, get Sam Allardyce, right? That's not what I'm saying. But someone who whose last job wasn't a disaster on all accounts, someone who has just a bit more management experience, because I think you're taking a big risk. And once you're taking a big risk, you want to minimize that risk. But they're taking a massive risk and making it more risky by getting a manager who did really well in America, did really well in Austria, getting two doubles, uh, two League and Cup doubles with Salzburg, but at Leipzig only lasted 20 games, right? And he only lasted at 20 games at Leipzig because apparently he wasn't willing to adapt his tactics for the squad that he had. So Leipzig were much more used to playing a three-at-the-back system, very wide, his game is very, very narrow, all about running at the penalty area, trying to get quick, concise passes, like intricate play and a high press, which will work with Leeds. But I feel like his lack of flexibility really didn't serve him well at Leipzig. And for Leeds, what he's, if there's anything he's going to have to be coming into Leeds, is going to have to be flexible because he is going to have to tailor whatever he does to the squad that he has because they are a squad that is the most drilled in one system than anyone else in the league, right? They know how to play one type of football. So he needs to make sure that his tactics now, at least in some part, fit that squad because it's a squad that, as we've said, injury-wise, they are on the floor. They've got all their key players missing. A lot of the players that are playing were with them in the championship. Like we, I'm going to move on to the Leeds board if we have time, but they have not invested adequately in Bielsa. And the fact that the results have gone so badly, you can blame more on the board and on the injury crisis than you can at him, I think. Yes, he could have been more conservative, but we said it last week. He's not going to be. So... I'm, I'm really upset he's gone. <laughs> In short, I'll talk. What do you think, Tommy? I'll talk about the Leeds owners afterwards. I'll just go for, for for a few takes from the chat. AFC Finners, he says, I love Bielsa. And to be honest, he should have had until the end of mm-hmm. the season, but he has taken the club as far as he can, in my opinion. Monde Sportif saying it's a bizarre decision, injuries, fatigue. Bielsa has worked absolute wonders at Leeds. Chris saying, but a good replacement. And finally, the hopeless wanderer, they needed a more pragmatic approach, also appreciated Bielsa style, but this was on the mm-hmm. cards. What I have to say is that the Leeds United have broken the Premier League record for most goals conceded in a month, and they did so in the shortest month of the year. Yeah, so it is impressive. It that. is impressive. Um, it is impressive, but I think they hired Bielsa because I imagine... Because Not of because they is, wanted to get right? scored the 20 against in a single month. Because, no, but they would have hired him knowing exactly what he was, who he was, what he does. I would argue that uniqueness, that madness is why they hired him. He has massively overachieved, as someone mentioned in the comments. He's briefly stopped overachieving and they've sacked him. Now, I would say with the Leeds owners, since they've come, since they bought the club, now it's Radrizzani, a Milanese, actually, who owns the club. Since they've owned the club, 
I would say Bielsa is the only good decision they've made. Um, Orta has led their signings, which have been massively hit and miss. One of them, which Augustine, they bought in for quite a lot of money. He barely played. They're now arguing about legal fees. That's in the European Court of Justice about whether they're going to pay that. There was a racism incident with their goalkeeper, Kiko. They covered it up and defended him. They had that disastrous new badge launch that just lasted a a day before people protested it had gone. They did a preseason tour of Myanmar while there was a civil war on because they were trying (laughs) to sell their TV rights to the company there. And now they've leaked Bielsa sacking to TalkSport before actually not making the announcement. I think there's a lot of Leeds fans that are very, very pissed off with the owners. And I think you could argue that hiring Bielsa is the only good decision they've ever made. And I don't know if firing him is going to be a good decision. We'll find out. But Jesse Marsh, it's exciting. The only problem for him is England's attitude to American coaches. If he does not get off to a good start, he is going to be laughed out of every press conference because of his because of his accent. But Rory, I'm just going to tell you one thing. Look at the silver lining. This means that Bielsa is currently unemployed, has got plenty of time to come on the pod. You speak English? Can we I get him and his Spanish? translator? I want him and his translator on. It has oh, to be both of them. God damn it has it. to be. Yeah, both. he's stealing me my job. Fine, all right, whatever. <laughs> we'll call this the official <laughs> football translator. Damn it. But um, uh, yeah, loco Bielsa. Buena suerte. And uh, if you want to come on the Angry Italian pod, we are here. Um, yeah, let's think about it. Let's slide into the guy's DM. AFC Finners says, when you own a club after Chilino, <laughs> it's easy to look good. Yeah, I've seen a lot of Leeds fans making that comment. It's like, we only love them because it's not Chilino <laughs> and it's not Ken Bates. <laughs> like, they've not been... He's he's made, and this is a massive thing, Tommy. Leeds were the most one of the most hated clubs in England. Like, if you didn't support Leeds, you fucking hated Leeds. He made Leeds likable. Like, that's mad. <laughs> like, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's an achievement. Just so I think he's a cute old man. He's a they, cute I, old I man. I absolutely love him. I don't want him at Arsenal, but I absolutely <laughs> I don't <laughs> think see, my heart could take see, it. This but... is the issue. This is the issue. Oh, look, we're playing such great football. Oh, 7 0 Tottenham. No, but that's fine. Look at that. Look at that play. Oh, 8 0. Look how dynamic we are. <laughs> yeah. Look, we're playing very exciting football, and our back door is always open. But, but Rory, I, I want to, sorry, just it. one minute on Jesse Marsh. I I think actually his style of football could suit Leeds. He does he does do a lot of like a lot of pressing, a lot of counter pressing, quick dynamic breaks, a lot of like um what do they call them? Like through balls, but it's actually just long balls. It is like a style of football that I think will suit the Leeds players if he gets it right. I just think he's got a very short amount of time to turn around a team that is low on confidence and having looked through his um, career in the past, when he, when he was at Salzburg, now I was looking cause this was a league that, you know, you're expected RB Salzburg are one of the best teams in the league. It would be fairly kind of um, simple for them to win the league. His team only kept a clean sheet in 31 games out of the 94 while he was in charge of Salzburg. And while he was in charge of Leipzig. Sorry. He's going to fit in very well at Leeds then. Well, this is it, right? And they need someone to tighten up the defence. And while he was at Leipzig, they conceded 31 goals in 20 games. So I don't think he's someone who's going to sort out the defence. I just think it's going to be interesting to see how he goes. His tactics could work, but I don't think he's going to sort out the defence. It more depends on Bamford and Phillips coming back. That is the problem. They don't have their two best players. 
Let's just say that I wouldn't trust pretty much nobody from Wisconsin. And there goes a <laughs> greeting for our Wisconsin <laughs> listeners, especially the ones from Racine, that is our good friend Jesse Marsh's hometown. Rory, I'm really loving this episode. It's going quickly, to say the least, but I'm really enjoying it. What else have we got in the Prem? So remember, we've got Prem Serie A to go through, and then there is a Coppa Italia game playing tomorrow Because night. I think <laughs> we've we only got 20 about. minutes left, so yeah. I'm just going to go through really quickly the headlines. Man United-Watford. Man United can't score. Ronaldo got hit by a, a shot from his own team as he just got in the way. That was quite fun to watch. Um, Hodgson now unbeaten in his last four trips to Old Trafford, which is mental. Um, so that was a incredibly entertaining game to watch for me as United struggled to score. Um, Man City, Everton. Man City won, Everton nil. Absolute stone wall penalty um, not given to Everton. Um, Rodri handled the ball about as plain as day. They tried to explain. Guardiola said that it was offside, so therefore it wasn't a penalty. I have no idea. I've not been able to find an angle that shows the offside. I just have to believe that Guardiola's right. But from what I could see, it was a definite penalty. Lampard called out the refs and said even a three-year-old could see that that was a penalty. He's going to be fined, probably. And that is the problem with English football. You can't question referees. It's like they're God. It's ridiculous. Um Beyond that, the other big games, Newcastle beat Brentford 2-0 in a big relegation battle. This is Um, massive. Newcastle's form is absolutely insane at the moment. Four wins out of their last five games. I mean, I think only Liverpool have have taken more points than them this year. I think. uh, In 2022? Wow. Yeah. Wow, 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 wow. They are in incredible form. Joe Linton scoring. How Eddie Howe has turned him into a player is genuinely incredible. And the other big game was West Ham beating Wolves 1-0. Thomas Suchek scoring his goal in front of his granddad, who was in the stadium for the first time to see him play for West Ham, scored the winning goal. Beautiful scenes. Declan Rice nearly scored a banger. But that means that the Premier League... It's all roughly kind of the same. At the bottom, Burnley are now 18th on 21 points. Everton, one spot ahead on 22. One win in the last five. Everton are massively in trouble. Leeds, one one spot ahead on 23 points. Brentford ahead again on 24. Newcastle now on 25. So four points above the relegation zone. Definitely getting themselves out of trouble. At the top, City extend their gap to six points. But of course, Liverpool have a game in hand. Chelsea remaining third. United in fourth on 47, West Ham on fifth on 45, and Arsenal sixth on 45. The race for top four is going to be pretty spicy. Also, guys, you should take notes from this English guy that was speaking. He has got a flawless way of doing things. He talked about how Bielsa got sacked, how they lost the game 4-0, but he left it very generic. It was a game that they played against <laughs> a team. And in this way, he went through the all of the Premier League games without ever mentioning Tottenham Hotspur, the guys that got Bielsa sacked. Maybe that's why you're so salty about it, aren't you? The team with the biggest win of the weekend that I haven't mentioned it. I was quite I was quite impressed with myself. Yeah, well done. You put four pass leads. It's really difficult. <laughs> but, Rory, have you noticed that how much after that uh, press conference, that that very controversial press conference that Conte had, uh, have you seen how much social media presence he's been having? Like, oh, this is yeah, me on the yeah. sidelines when we win. This it's... is me loving my job. It feels like <laughs> yeah, there was a message. Yeah. 
yeah, it was like there was a message from the club, just like, dude, we're literally you. You can have showers with diamonds in the morning. Do your job. Shut the fuck up and show yeah. that you're loving it. But I don't. Still show that you're loving it. All right, fine. I'll do. Yeah, it. it's a massive PR exercise. I saw the thing on their Twitter, like Bongiorno boss, and he's like walking across the pitch smiling. <laughs> I was like, it fucking looks like someone's got a gun to him. Like, yeah, it's all it's all the massive PR campaign. But hey, it's working. It's working. Beautiful stuff. Should we go to Italy? Let's do it. We're in Italy. All right, I've got a few headlines to start with. Number one, uh, Rory, listen carefully. Rafael Leao is only the second AC Milan player to score on every day of the week in a season. Do you know who was the first one? Nope. <laughs> Neither do I, and I do not care to find out. This was literally the dumbest stat I've ever heard in football. Rafael Leao, the first player to score on Monday... Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, and Sunday. Aren't, isn't it exciting? Well done. <laughs> I love how AFC Finners, one of the most knowledgeable men I know in the world of football, actually tried to answer the question. Van Basten, <laughs> you might be right. I'm literally, yeah, you win. You win. <laughs> I'm literally not putting the time in to find this out. This is a Serie B headline. Sources confirm that Buffon has extended his contract through 2024. And here I've got a quote-unquote, we couldn't be happier to be with him for many years to come, said the president of his retirement home. <laughs> this is Buffon I just, can't believe he's... Is the guy ever going to retire? He's like a Highlander. He's just going to go forever, right? And this is actually the point that we're going to start from. Most points in Serie A in 2022, Mazzarri's Cagliari are second with 15 points. Sources close to the manager confirmed that he was unaware the season had started in 2021. <laughs> but this is actually what I wanted to start from. I'm drinking a Sardinian beer uh, tonight. 15 points for Cagliari, only one point behind Juventus in 2022. Rory, you watch the game, but you still not get a liking for Cagliari. How, I don't how like him. I don't like him. There's something about every time I watch them, I'm like, you deserve to be relegated. And somehow they win. And I just, it annoys me. It must be how other people feel about, maybe people feel this way about Burnley in the Premier League or something. But I find it charming for them. I don't know. For Cagliari, it just annoys me. I just think they're such a nothing team. Like, just a, <laughs> oh, God, they're here again. They're going to be terrible. They're somehow going to stay up. They've weirdly got good players, but they're still terrible. I just find it really confusing. How is Jao Pedro still there? Confuse me. I don't like them. They make me uncomfortable. They make me uncomfortable. <laughs> we discussed it in, a, in an earlier pod, but Cagliari might as well be one of the best cities in the world where to go play as a footballer. It's mm. right on the sea. You're on an island. It's always good weather. The food is bloody amazing. And uh, it's just the life, you know, like everybody who plays for Ka even Godin, like it was no coincidence. Well, his wife is from Sardinia. But down at the bottom, like things are starting to move a little bit. And all of a sudden, Venezia, who lost their derby against uh, Verona with another hat-trick from Giovanni Simeone, Venezia all of a sudden find themselves in the drop, point, in the drop zone at 22 points. And Genoa and Salernitana, despite collecting points, now Genoa have drawn all of their last five games in Serie A, so five points. Mm -hmm. The problem is that also Serie, uh, Salernitana have drawn four, 
and are now unbeaten in four games. They're so, going to start getting wins. They're going to start getting wins. I feel like it might happen sooner for Salernitana mm. than for Genoa. Genoa are really no, are. a difficult team. They yeah. had a few chances against Inter Milan. We're going to get there, but they just couldn't capitalize. While Can Salernitana, I just quickly... Yeah, I go just for it. Quickly, so I just quickly tell you about Verona Venezia. My striker who I left on the bench in Fanta Calcio took the clean sheet away from the goalkeeper that I started. That was a particularly irritating moment as he scored. Wow. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, that was infuriating. Do you remember those early memes that just said mind fucks? Or like when you find <laughs> out you shit bricks. Yeah, this is one of those situations. But yeah, Elas Verona win 3-1 against Venezia. Goals by Okereke for Venezia and Simeone, Simeone, Simeone for the Giallo Blue. Cagliari won 2-1 against Torino. Belotti scored again, but Torino haven't won a single game since their away win at Sampdoria on January uh, 15th. After that, only two draws and three losses. Now, this is a team with a very solid defense, only 28 goals conceded. However, they don't score that much, only 33 goals scored. It feels like the excitement from the earlier part mm. of the season has kind of faded away. And right now, they we might as well say that they're on the beach. They're not really competing for anything. But it's a bit of a shame because they have... I, I like their players. They have something in them. Against the Cagliari, they were also kind of unfortunate. Uh, Cragno had an incredible save. Oh, man, that guy is such a good keeper, by the way. <laughs> by the way, Sp- Spider-Man in Italian is Luomo Ragno. And of course, <laughs> it's very easy to call him Luomo Cragno. Then we've got Spezia Roma with Jose Mourinho watching the game from a bus, from inside the bus, outside the stadium, since he was disqualified. Well, I don't know if you read the fantasy football chat yesterday, but I really loved I wasn't watching the game. And at a point, our friend Cora just texted me. He was like, guys, please, is somebody watching the Spezia Roma game? It's <laughs> unbelievable. Tammy Abraham cannot even score with his hands, which is an expression. It's an idiom that I absolutely love. He cannot even score with his hands. Roma were just missing all the missable, yeah. kind of like Mason Mount in the Carabao Cup final. Did you get to watch this game? Um, no, I did. All I got was the highlights. And then at the end, Tammy Abraham's playing against me in Fanta Calcio and he did get the penalty at the end. So that was annoying. <laughs> that was annoying. <laughs> yeah, yeah that, that, man, that final play, I recommend everybody who hasn't watched it to watch mm. it. Roma managed to get the ball twice on the crossbar within three seconds. And then there is the biggest crowd of players posted in front of the post the Spezia player is trying to kick the ball away from the box. The Roma player is trying to kick it in. Oh, I love it's a goal a... mouth. We call it a goal mouth scramble. I love it, a goal mouth it scramble. It was unbelievable. Unbelievable. In the end, a penalty was awarded because uh, Zaniolo got a kick to his face. Tammy Abraham very coolly scored it. Let's go towards the top of the league. Empoli-Juventus 2-3. All right. We received the question today on our Instagram page. And the question was... Are you Ventus back in the title don't, race? Don't, don't, I don't dude, say I, it because they are annoying. terrifying. They kind of are. So they are seven points behind AC Milan and Naples, and potentially eight points behind Inter Milan, or maybe only five. We don't know yet. We'll see. Yeah, in yeah. the league, Juventus still have to play Inter Milan, Lazio, 
Fiorentina and Sassuolo, and these I would say are their toughest games. They Mm -hmm. don't have any game against Napoli or Milan. But we've seen how keen Inter and Milan have been recently to drop points along the way. So I don't want to say it, but friend who asked that question, you can answer it to yourself. I strongly hope not. But even really when I see Vlaovic, like, man, when I see Vlaovic, like the game against Empoli, he looks like a yeah. veteran. And this guy yeah, yeah. was born after the Twin Towers fell. You know, <laughs> you know, you know. I love the little reference. Yeah. Just to tell you how young he is. Just to tell no, you it's how terrifying. Young it's terrifying how good he is. How just how bloody good he is. I think we're seeing, and we're going to get onto it, but we're seeing the lack of mental fortitude from the Milanese teams, and I think. Juve might have that mental fortitude to just keep going and bore us all to death. Like, like Allegri said, right? Just nibbling. Did he say nibbling at it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Nibbling Remember the phrase points. he used, right? Just gradually fucking getting there and boring us all to death. I could see it happening. I sincerely, as you said, I sincerely hope not. But I can, on, see, it. I can see it. Or into one of yours, just wake all right. up. In uh, other games that were played, Sassuolo Fiorentina 2 1. Go check out Traore's goal for Sassuolo. Mm. It was rightfully nicknamed Mbappé like goal, like yes. the one that Mbappé scored against Real Madrid. Now, two consecutive wins against Inter and against Fiorentina for Sassuolo. The boys are doing very, very well right now. They're on 10th position, they're kind of on the beach, but I feel like if they put in a bit of effort, they could even start knocking at some European football, mm-hmm. uh, at the door of European football. Interesting stat, nine wins, nine draws, nine losses, 45 goals scored, 45 goals conceded. Perf- and they are 10th in a 20-league team. Oh, Everything that symmetry is, is beautiful. Pretty perfect, I have to say. But then, uh, besides the Salernitana Bologna 1 1, let's go back all the way to Friday when Ace Man, <laughs> I'm giggling, drew against Udinese. Rafael Leao, who Rory has finally learned to appreciate for the football player that he is, scored a goal at the 29th minute, but the opposition, Udinese, managed to draw the game at the 66th minute with Rory's fantasy football man, Destiny Udoge. There is a very famous Italian movie that came out the, this year that was called It Was the Hand of God. The memes oh, yes. all over the yeah, place yeah, yeah. saying it was the hand of destiny Udoge. Now, Rory, <laughs> was that a bit of a, a Thierry Henry France versus Ireland-like moment, in your opinion? Uh, undoubtedly. Undoubtedly. Mm. But because of Fanta Calcio, I was like, I'll take it. I'll absolutely <laughs> take it. And it's against Milan, so, you know, it's funny. But yeah, it was. Um, I'm not sure how he got away with that one. Not sure how he got away with it. He did. I his, his post match just don't see anything. It's just like so. Did you notice? It was just like I had a strong doubt. So I looked at the linesman, but he didn't say anything, and so I went on celebrating. Yeah. Which means that you cheated and you were very well aware of it. All right, Destiny. Um, just, okay, <laughs> yeah, let's go. <laughs> I touched it with my hand. Did you see it? You didn't. All right, I'll keep celebrating. That was beautiful. And then you see this thing happens and you start bantering around with your friends. But then Genoa against Inter Milan, nil-nil. Look, it's Inter Milan are in terrible form right now. We are in terrible form. Um, 
I didn't like Inzaghi's tone after the game saying, uh, well, we're very unlucky, we're very unlucky. Uh, I don't know if we're very unlucky. We are taking a lot of shots. But the truth is that over across the last four games in Serie A and in the Champions League against Liverpool, we have scored only one goal. That's one goal out of 360 minutes of football. That's very, very little. Inter have been taking their stats about all the shots that they've been taking that are simply not converted. I just think that there is something missing. It feels like it's getting harder and harder to find a path to goal. There were Mm -hmm. a few situations in the game against Genoa when the players were kind of waiting for somebody to just cut, somebody to do the right movement. Then the player does it, but the ball comes a second too late. Look, we had. I think it's physiological. We've had... The squad that we assembled this year wasn't as competitive as mm-hmm. the, the one we had last year or the year before. So now I think there was a con- sort of common understanding that we would have to push at the beginning of the season because then our form would drop. We weren't able to do it at the beginning. We did it in the middle of the season. We were able to like come back from below seven to plus three against mm-hmm. AC Milan. That was big. Then ever since the Milan Derby, form is starting to go down. And as Adam from the Hopeless Wanderer is saying, Inter weren't clinical, Genoa defended well. I think this is the best yeah. uh, the best observation you can make about this game. And then AFC Finners asks, do you guys think Napoli can hold on? I think I might know Tommy's answer. Look, I've seen one of the biggest bottle jobs ever from a Napoli yeah. just a few yeah. years back in 2018. It was insane how they bottled it. Was that under Sari? Yeah, says yeah. a guy who supports Inter Milan. But <laughs> yeah, because like, I do know time, a thing or two about bottling. Yeah, and I <laughs> do know a thing or two about b- bottling a league like towards the last match day. Look, Napoli, I really like the look is Spalletti, man. Spalletti is being very calm all season, mm-hmm. but under that calm mask, there is a storm ready to unleash. He's got so many chips to take off his shoulders, that <laughs> yeah, man. Yeah. I don't even know what they all are. It's He's got stick everywhere he's went. He's a very good manager. But I feel like right now he kind of wants to win something big and be like, see, you guys, you said that I was an idiot. You, he's got name and last name of everybody. He's going to get a list out, like just... Okay. <clears throat> I, I, I let you I let you I let you talk about the last night's game in these last final minutes of the pod before we say goodbye. But I just wanted to report what he said after the press conference. It was just like, hey, a lot of journalists were talking about Napoli not having balls. So I'm very curious to hear what you're going to say about tonight's game. Loved it. Rory, I watched the highlights yes uh, today because I didn't I didn't have time to watch the game yesterday, but what did you think about it? They did definitely have balls. Like, that was a ballsy performance. Balls, one more time, there you go. Um, I think they were incredible. The fact that, like, to go 1-0 ahead, like, the first half, it was all Lazio. Napoli were not in it at all. Um, I feel like Napoli were really lucky to be level at halftime. But in the second half, they really came into the game. Spalletti definitely says, like, said the right thing at halftime, got them going. They took the lead. Insigne almost single-handedly wanted to win them that game. Like, it felt like it was just him going, we've got to do this now. He gets the 1-0, then Pedro scores an incredible equaliser. What What a a goal. goal. Ospina gets his hand to it, but there's nothing you can do about that. Just the sheer power behind it. Like, what a goal. At that point, I thought, uh, Napoli have stacked it. But then, only a couple minutes, not even that, later... 
they again a beautiful goal from Fabian Ruiz. And the key, the important thing for me as well was like Insigne actually being a proper leader because there was the chance for him to shoot and he saw that Fabian Ruiz was in a better position. Nice little layoff, yeah. Rather than him going tiro giro or whatever it is, right? He passed it to Fabian Ruiz, strokes it into the bottom corner and it felt like one of those huge moments. Now, as an Arsenal fan, what always comes into my mind is the Danny Welbeck goal against Leicester when we thought we'd won the league. We beat Leicester and then we completely bottled it afterwards. But that moment felt huge. I hope it isn't like that for Napoli because it felt like a big moment, a big like, look, we are level now. This was a big test. We've got past it. A really great performance in the second in the second half. I think Lazio were definitely the better team first half. But Lazio have been so up and down this season. You never know what's going to happen with yeah. them. I so hopeless wanderer says in parts Napoli were poor yesterday, but they're getting wins or moments when they count. Very true. I didn't really answer to AFC Finner's uh, uh, comment. Look, man, the season, the Serie A season is wide open, uh, and I think that Napoli could enjoy being the third forgotten horse as the two Milanese mm. are racing. As long, I'm going to tell you this, AFC, as long as Juventus don't get involved. Because they have got a major inferiority complex towards Juventus. They will possibly never overcome it. The second they see that Juventus are behind them, they're going to lose their shit. So as long as Juventus stay where they are, they can do it. Big game. We'll be able to talk about it on uh, Friday's episode. But big game coming up. Napoli, AC Milan. The game that will decide the title race. And besides that game, then Napoli have to take on... uh, Atalanta and Fiorentina on two consecutive match days. Roma, but besides that, their season looks pretty comfortable from now on. Um, Tomorrow night, well, actually tonight, as we're recording, uh, Atalanta, Sampdoria has kicked off goal by Pazalic for Atalanta already at the sixth minute mark. And uh, tomorrow night, we've got a Coppa Italia derby. Tommy, what are you expecting from this derby? Um, I don't there we know, go, man. good. <laughs> Doing my job for me. Good. I, I don't know, man. Um, I kind of don't want to think about it. I don't know what to expect. We need a win. We desperately need a fucking win. Uh, I think the stadium is going to be packed, uh, despite it being a midweek Coppa Italian first leg semifinal, damn it. Um, <laughs> but I think the stadium is going to be packed. The atmosphere is going to be incredible. Inter want revenge. There were this was before the game against Genoa, but I think the supporters' mindset hasn't changed. That there were banners both for Andanovic and for mm. Lautaro Martinez saying, "You guys don't give up. We've got your back. We know you. Don't worry." Um, so hopefully tomorrow is the day that Lautaro Martinez bangs, goes back to banging goals. Fingers crossed. One last thing. Yeah, AC Milan. You see, AFC Finner said, thank you. Thank you for giving me some hope. He says, AC Milan <laughs> have an awful Coppa Italia record. The Inter win, I reckon. I'm touching my balls and knocking <laughs> on the on the wood. I remember they knocked us out through a Cutrone goal from the oh, Coppa Italia in 20. Remember December, him? My God. December I heard that name in a while. Yeah. But... One last thing that I wanted to say, um, taking inspiration from the game that is currently unfolding, Atalanta-Sampdoria. We talked about the war at the beginning of the episode. The only 
rockets that we want to see are Malinovsky's rockets from midfield Very nice. in the football pitch. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, that's it with the Anglo-Italian pod. Remember to give us a follow on Twitter at Italian Anglo pod, on Instagram at Anglo Italian pod. Rory, have you got anything to say to our beautiful watchers and listeners? Thanks for joining, guys. Um, I've really enjoyed it. It got heavy at the beginning. It's light at the end, you know. You need dark and light, rough and smooth. I think we do it all not too ham-fisted. So thanks for joining us, guys, and we will see you on Friday. Talk to you Friday, guys. Also follow our sponsor at the Sports Club Maps. Talk to you later, and thank you for joining us on the live stream every Monday night. Bye. Do it. Do it.